You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Tonight's principle, I told you this morning, it feels like it's been a while since I've given you a principle for the family in the home, but uh, tonight's principle, I told you, I warned you, and you came back anyway, will not solve all of your problems. It will not stop fires from being lit in your life. It will not quench the fiery darts of the wicked. It will not eradicate situations and events that cause pain and heartache in your life. We know that pain and heartache is a part of life. We know that some things in life are unavoidable that cause pain and heartache. However, there are many things in our life that are avoidable, that bring us unnecessary pain and heartache. This principle cannot save you from the unavoidable pains and heartaches, but it can and it will save you from avoidable pains and heartaches. I'll put it this way. It will not prevent fires from being lit in your life, but it will help you stop the fires instead of spreading them further. It will not quench the fiery darts of the wicked. He will still, he'll still shoot at you. It will not stop him from shooting at you. But it will help you in the chaos of it all not to start shooting back at people who aren't your enemy. Tonight's principle is a sibling to this phrase that we've all heard. I can't control what happens to me, but I can control how I react. I don't like it when fires are started in my life. But if I'm not careful, how I react may only serve to spread that fire rather than put the fire out. I do not like it when the devil constantly shoots at me. But if I'm not careful, I'm going to get so frustrated with the devil that I start taking out my frustrations on people who haven't done anything against me. They just so happen to be unfortunate enough to be in my blast radius. And if we want to be honest, the people who are close enough to be in our blast radius are the ones that we care about the most and the ones that care about us the most. I don't like it when pain and heartache comes in my life. But if I'm not careful, the emotions that are stirred within me by that pain and heartache will cause me to do or say things that will not help the matter. It will only serve to make the matter worse. I have three phases in my message. In the first phase, I want to consider this hypothetical situation. I want to explain this hypothetical situation that God gives to us in a certain passage in Scripture. I'm going to introduce you to the three main characters of this scenario. Um, 
I am going to bring out the main elements of the story that God wants us to know. I'm going to do my best to put us right in the middle of the story of these three main characters. That's phase one. Once the story is told, once it's understood, in the second phase, it's my desire to extract the principle for tonight. And then phase three is going to be applying that principle. What does this principle look like in action in our lives today? What does it look like in our marriages? What does it look like in our relationships, in our lives, and in even our work environments and and, um, classroom environments and everything like that? Deuteronomy chapter 19 is where we'll be. Heavenly Father, please bless the reading of your word now and the preaching of it to come. We ask this in your name. Amen. Deuteronomy 19. make sure our cell phones are on silent, please put away. Let's start in verse 1. When the Lord thy God hath cut off the nations whose land the Lord thy God giveth thee, and thou succeedest them and dwellest in their cities and in their houses, thou shalt separate three cities for thee in the midst of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Thou shalt prepare thee away, and divide the coasts of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to inherit, into three parts, that every slayer may flee thither. And this is the case of the slayer, which shall flee thither, that he may live. Whoso killeth his neighbor ignorantly, whom he hated not in time past. As when a man goeth into the wood with his neighbor to hew wood, And his hand fetcheth a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree, and the head slippeth from the helve, and lighteth upon his neighbor that he die. He shall flee unto one of those cities and live, lest the avenger of of the blood pursue the slayer, while his heart is hot, and overtake him, because the way is long, and slay him. Whereas he, the slayer, was not worthy of death, inasmuch as the slayer hated the neighbor not in time past. Wherefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt separate three cities for thee. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Okay, phase one. Let's examine this scenario that God is painting for us We'll introduce ourselves to the three main characters, and then we'll consider the main elements of it kind of all as we go. Character number one, we have the slayer. And we'll see why he's called that in just a moment. Character number two, we have the neighbor. I see some of you taking notes, so I'll take my time. Character number one, the slayer. Character number two, the neighbor. Character number three, the avenger. Now, we don't know his exact relationship to the neighbor, but we know that they're close. So our scenario opens with the slayer 
and the neighbor going into the woods, going into the forest, because they have decided to cut down wood together. The slayer is doing the chopping, and the neighbor is maybe doing the piling and the gathering of the wood. These two men get along just fine. They have no hatred towards each other. There's no animosity towards each other. Do they love each other as brethren? We don't know. The Bible just simply says they're neighbors one with another. They are working one with another on that day, not because it's their job and they have to, but they have come to the mutual agreement. There is a job to do, and we believe that we can get along well enough in order to work together to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. And it's right in the middle of this scenario. It's right in the middle of this mutual, calm, peaceful, possibly even humorous. Maybe they're having a good time. Maybe they're having a jovial time. They don't usually hang out with, it, with each other. But during this mutual cooperation, that's redundant, but you get it, tragedy happens. The slayer goes to chop down a tree. And when he does, he, t he takes the axe and he brings it back for another stroke and when he does, the axe head flies off of the handle. And my goodness, his neighbor just so happens to be standing in the wrong place at the wrong time. The axe head flies off, hits the neighbor in the head, and kills him. So it's right here we need to stop. And we have to consider the first element of the story that God is bringing out. Element, or first lesson, really, that the Lord is bringing out. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Damage has been done. Great damage has been done. Fatal damage has been done. It's, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. There's no going back. It happened. Great damage has been done. However, the Lord is also making something very, very clear throughout all of it. And it's element number two. It was an accident. It was an accident. There was no animosity behind it. There was no hatred behind it. He explains in very clear language, yes, damage has been done. Blood has been shed. But the slayer is innocent of that blood. He is not guilty of that man's blood. Why not? Inasmuch as the slayer hated not his neighbor in time past. The slayer did nothing wrong. It was just an unfortunate accident. God instructs his people in a parallel passage here in Numbers chapter 35. When something like this happens, it gives some other scenarios. Maybe somebody is taking rocks from one pile and moving it to another and just not even knowing he throws a rock and it hits his neighbor and it kills him. Look, in that instance, he says the government needs to step in and deliver the slayer from the revenger of blood. And that is character number three that we are introduced to, the avenger. News spreads that the neighbor is dead. And when the news falls on the ears of the avenger, he does not take it well. Maybe he starts saying, how do we know it was an accident? They were the only people out there. Are we just supposed to take his word? What if they were fighting? And even if it was an accident, my neighbor's still, my friend is still dead. Why didn't the slayer take better care of his axe? Who's dumb enough to go out there and not make sure that the axe head is tight. And in the heat of the moment, in the emotion of the tragedy, in the realization of this 
of this death of somebody who's very close to him, we find the next element of our story that God brings out. The Avengers' emotions get the better of him. And he decides, I'm going to do something about this. I don't care that it was an accident. Frankly, I'm having kind of a hard time buying that it was an accident. And he makes the decision, the next time I see him, in fact, I'm going to find him and I'm going to kill the person who killed my friend. In the Avengers' eyes, the Slayer is guilty and he's worthy of death. In God's eyes, the Slayer is innocent of blood and he is not worthy of death. But here's what we need to get. God knows as he's instructing this new nation that had observed nothing but very barbaric and violent nations. And he's called them out of Egypt and he said, you are going to be a kingdom of priests to me. You are going to be different in order to do that, he has to teach them, and God is bringing out here, God knows that when human emotions get the better of us, there is no telling what we're going to do. So God introduces the next element of the story, the, a city of refuge. There needs to be cities of refuge. Get this, a place where the slayer can run to in order to be safe from the Avenger. Lest the Avenger of blood pursue the Slayer while his heart is hot and overtake him because the way is long and slay him, whereas he was not worthy of death inasmuch as he hated him not in time past. There needs to be a place where the Slayer can run to in order to give the Avenger's heart some time to cool down. Because if the Avenger sees the Slayer while his heart is hot, there is no telling what that guy is going to do. And what the Avenger needs to understand, he needs to understand something, but he can't understand something right now because his emotions are going like crazy. But what he needs to understand is that if he acts upon this emotional impulse that he has flowing through his veins right now, and if he kills the slayer in the heat of the moment, he has now committed an action that is far worse than anything that the slayer did. And that's the last element of the story, the last lesson that God is bringing out. When you act while your heart is hot, you are only going to make your situation so much worse. The slayer killed the neighbor by accident without any hatred in his heart. The avenger is seeking to kill the slayer on purpose with only hatred in his heart. And at that point, if the avenger gets his way, there's only one person in God's eyes who would be worthy of death at that moment. The one who acted based on his emotions. Phase number two. Let's begin to extract this principle here. We learn here that even in the case of an accident, you realize that the entire time the Avenger is, is going off and, and riling himself up. People are telling him, 
it was an accident. It was an accident. There was no hatred. There was no animosity. It was an accident. But even in the case of an accident, God is bringing out here, human emotion can be so irritated. It can be so inflamed that it can drive somebody to murder. If an accident can incite that much of a response from a person, how much worse could our reaction be when something happens to us on purpose? Right? So what I'm trying to point out here is that this principle that's found in this and I'm going to bring out tonight doesn't only apply when something happens to you that was an accident. Uh, obviously, at that point, cool down. Nobody was trying to hurt you. No one was trying to do anything to you. Calm, calm down. But if that can be said and applied to an accident, how much more should it be applied to something that was done to us on purpose where we truly feel we're justified in getting emotional? Right? This is applicable to any situation that we face that irritates our emotions, gets under our skin, gets us riled up, whether it was an accident or whether it was on purpose. Here is the principle. Let your heart cool down. Let your heart cool down. Do not make decisions. Do not have conversations. Do not confront issues. Do not address problems. Do not react to any situation while your heart is hot. Because when your heart is hot, there is no telling what you're going to do. And you're going to make your situation far worse, and you may even commit a greater offense than whatever it was that set you off. Now, this is going to be real practical. And again, it's not going to stop fires from being lit. Accidents will happen. Things will be done to you on purpose. What this will help you with is stop the fire from spreading. Do you know how many fires are going on in your life that you are justifying fanning because somebody else sparked it? Well, if they wouldn't have, yeah, yes, they caused damage and they shouldn't have done it. But you're not helping the matter. Your child disobeys you. Your child rebels against you. Rolls their eyes at you. Does something that blows your mind. Mom and dad, have you ever seen your kids do something and you just go, excuse me? <laughs> We've all been there. I'm, I'm sorry. Everyone, look around. My child has lost its mind. Hey, hey, they might have. Don't you lose yours. So in the moment, you get angry because you call your kid and they ignore you. Or you tell your kid to do something and they say yes and then you come home later and it's not done and it's the third or fourth time that they've done it. Or they're a teenager. Now listen to me, in the moment you get angry, listen to me dad, listen to me mom, listen to me very well. Maybe what your child did and probably what your child did is wrong and it needs to be dealt with. And you might say that you have every right to be angry as their parent, but the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. Nobody's arguing that your child did wrong. Nobody's arguing that your child needs to be punished. 
But you need to let your heart cool down first. Otherwise, you are going to react in emotion and in anger, and there is no telling what you are going to do. You react in your anger, and a lecture becomes yelling. Yelling becomes cussing, because they are just not getting it. A spanking becomes a beating. It's not, it's not funny. Discipline, listen to me, church. Discipline, we call it, we call it biblical discipline. Biblical discipline is not found in the act of what the parent does upon the child. Biblical discipline is found in the result of the act. Let me say that again. You might, biblical discipline is not found in the act of the parent over the child or upon the child. It is found in the result of the act. You spank your kid. Oh, I'm disciplining them. Are you? Are you? Because if you are not doing it properly and your kid just keeps on going off and living however they want, that's not discipline. Discipline is not what the parent does to the child. Discipline is what the child gives back to the parent after proper biblical discipline is enacted. But you react in your anger. You react in your emotion. And just like that, the responsibility of discipline that God has given to mom and dad in order to show your love has been tainted to show your anger. And the responsibility of discipline that is supposed to get your child to submit to you, because you act while your heart is hot, is instead getting your kids to fear you. And I understand, I had a healthy fear of that man. He was smaller than me for, am I pointing at you? Okay, good. I, I, he was smaller than me for half of my life. I had a healthy fear of him. A healthy fear. Not an ungodly fear of him. An ungodly fear will last as long as I allow him to have authority over me. But as soon as I'm out of the house, forget you. But because it was a healthy fear, guess what? I still fear that man. And so it should be. Let your heart cool down. Because even when you enact biblical discipline, a spanking, even when you spank your child on the bottom, you didn't think I'd say that, did you? <laughs> on the backside, even when you do that, but you do it in anger, you do it in emotion, you do it flying off the hinge, you've done no good. You have done absolutely no good. Let your heart cool down. Your spouse says something to you that gets under your skin. Because let's be honest, if anybody knows how to get under your skin, it's the person that's closest to you. Yep. Nobody knows how to get my goat like her. Guys, that's what love is. 
Love is opening enough of your heart to somebody to know that they can crush you and trusting that they won't. Nobody can hurt me more than her. She knows the worst parts of me. She knows the things that hurt me the most. She knows my greatest weaknesses, but I trust that she's not going to do that. That is what love is. But sometimes you, you start talking about something as a husband and a wife that you are not seeing eye to eye on because one of us is stubborn. <laughs> and we're not seeing eye to eye. And so tensions start to go and voices start to be raised because you're not listening. Well, you're not listening. No, you're not. And, and this is always, and the past starts getting brought up. Dogs that have been buried for a long time, we go back out with a shovel and dig them back up and find this rotted tail coming up. You remember when you did this? And words start flying. Things are being said all in front of the kids, by the way. I do not know what started the conversation. I, do know not, I, I don't know what I may have said to set you off. I don't know what you said to set me off. But because we didn't let our heart cool down, we have made things so much worse. Let your heart cool down. Now, wives and husbands, that doesn't mean the next time you start getting into it, you look back, let your heart cool down, let your heart cool down. <laughs> That is the equivalent of calling customer service and them saying, sir, calm down, calm down. You know what? You're right. Thank you. Maybe, maybe it's, hun, we're not helping. Let's take a couple minutes. Let's take a couple minutes. Let's put the kids to bed and let's talk about it. And tell me in your own experience, whenever you've been mature enough to do that, the two minutes pass and you come back, and what do you do? All right, let's get back into it. <laughs> or do you say, hon, I don't want to fight. And then you really start getting down to it. All I'm saying is this, I understand. I understand. And you start moving forward because you let your heart cool down. A coworker keeps pushing your buttons. That's what coworkers are for. They're a constant thorn in your side. And right now, you know who they are. And I might even say, just say their name, but I have some people who work here at the church and I don't want to do that. <laughs> They always have a comment, always have a problem, always have this, always. And the day comes where you just don't want to deal with it anymore. You just don't want to deal with it. You are not the only person in my world. You just happen to be the one who barks the most. Hey, Christian, your coworker isn't right. It needs to be dealt with, not while your heart is hot. Far too many Christians have lost their testimony at work dealing with something that needs to be dealt with, but they're dealing with it while their heart is hot. Let your heart cool down or there is no telling what you're going to say and what you're going to do. And a testimony that you took years to build, you will ruin in one temper tantrum. One cuss word that you let slip. Good luck going tomorrow and saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it. 
The lost can say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it. Christians can't. That's not fair. You should have let your heart cool down. Somebody attacks your Savior, blasphemes your Lord. Nothing gets my blood boiling faster than when I'm standing in line for something and someone keeps on saying, GD this and GD that and, and oh my, oh my, and using Jesus' name in vain over and over and over and over. If I had muscles in any type of build, I'd be in jail today. They disparage your church. They come against a brother, and you don't take it too kindly. And you know what? I'm kind of glad it bothers you. I'm glad it bothers you. It should bother you. I'm glad that James and John were bothered when Jesus was going through Samaria to get to Jerusalem. I'm glad they were bothered when the Samaritans looked back at, them, back at Jesus and said, we're not going to let you go through here. If you're going to go to Jerusalem about all those Jews, fine. I'm glad that it bothered James and John, but they acted while their heart was hot and said, Jesus, wilt thou bid us to call down fire and consume them like Elias did? And Jesus didn't rebuke the Samaritans. He looked at James and John and said, ye, ye know not what spirit ye are of. What you just said was not of God. The Son of Man came not to destroy man's lives but to heal them and to save them. The Samaritans should not have rejected Jesus. They should not have spoken to the Lord of glory in that way. But had James and John gotten their way, had James and John had their way in the heat of the moment, what they would have done to Samaria was far worse than what Samaria did to their Lord. When you get angry because someone comes against your brother, someone comes against your church, someone comes against your Lord, I'm glad it bothers you, but let your heart cool down. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. He's strong enough, he doesn't need you to fight his battles. Somebody committed a sin that hurts you. Hurts your church, hurts your family and you get angry. Yes, you're angry at the devil. Yes, you're angry at the sin. But you got to admit, you're also angry at the sinner. And you want answers. You want to give them a piece of your mind. You want to hurt them back as they have hurt you. Will any of that make the situation better? No, nope, but it'll make me feel better. Let your heart cool down and give God a chance to make you feel better. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Let your heart cool down. Your employee messes up for the umpteenth time. Let your heart cool down. I'm not saying they don't need to be talked to, but if you talk to them in the heat of the moment, they're not going to want to work for you. You're not going to build them up with, with constructive criticism. It's going to be destructive criticism. Let your heart cool down. Your family member handles a family situation poorly. Let your heart cool down. 
you have an elderly loved one who's in some type of care care unit and you start to understand that the nurses aren't take, take, taking care of them, that there's neglect going on, or you even see it happen with your own, with your own eyes that these healthcare workers are not caring for your loved one, let your heart cool down. Don't fly off on a hinge and go crazy. You get blamed for something at work that you didn't do. Let your heart cool down. How about this one? Somebody else in the heat of their heart starts losing it on you. And they raise their voice. Okay, I can raise my voice too. And they start cussing. I know those words too. And they start being historical. I can be historical too. And they start being hysterical. I can be hysterical too. Just throwing fire at fire. Let your heart cool down. We've been talking about anger. Any emotion works. A dream opportunity comes up at work. But you've got to make the decision real quick. <laughs> Let your heart cool down. If it's really God's will, it's not going to disappear. It's not going to disappear in a week or in two weeks. God is not a used car salesman. Make the decision now or it's gone. You meet somebody and one month goes by and you're sure they are the one. Let your heart cool down. Disney says love is an open door. I say shut it. <laughs> Girls, shut it, lock it, give the key to your father. Boys, don't even look for the door. Something at church rubs you the wrong way. It's going to happen. So you're going to leave. Let your heart cool down. Because the decision you're about to make is going to affect generations. Folks, I'm done. For every one person who has had their life ruined because of a situation that has happened to them, Millions more have ruined their lives by how they reacted to that situation. Because they reacted to it while their heart was hot. Fires will be started in your life. Let your heart cool down or you are only going to spread the fire. Satan is going to shoot fiery darts at you. It's going to be constant. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be taxing. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's going to be constant. If it's not constant, you're not fighting enough. But it gets frustrating and you get tired. Let your heart cool down or you may start shooting back at people who aren't your enemy. This church right now is under great satanic spiritual attack. This church will not 
be destroyed because of that attack. This church will be destroyed when we start attacking one another. Let your heart cool down. Pain and heartache will come to you. There's no avoiding it. But you will avoid an abundance of unnecessary pain and heartache by just letting your heart cool down before you act on anything. You cannot help what happens to you. You can help how you react. Let your heart cool down. When it's time to spank the kids, go to your room and you give them five minutes. It will be five minutes of contemplation for them and five minutes to let your heart cool down, sir. I had to spank my boy just before service. Any of you observe that? Any of you see that? No? Any of you know what happened? You didn't see it because I did it behind closed doors. Running in the church. Told him, son, don't run. Yes, sir. <laughs> Two minutes later. He knew right away. I done messed up. <laughs> he knows he's getting a spanking. He loses it. Absolutely loses it. And you know what my flesh, my flesh emotion wants to do? No, no, stop, stop, stop. Don't have time for it. Stop. Get a grip, get a grip, get a grip. He's two. I sat him down in the chair. Son, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. I told you not to run, didn't I? Yes. And you ran anyway, didn't you? Yes. That's disobedience. You get a spanking. Lie down and take your punishment. And my two-year-old boy gets off of the chair, lies across my lap, pop, 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 stand up, cry. Son, no running in the auditorium. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Louder, yes sir, yes sir. Look me in the eye, yes sir, yes sir. Give me a hug. I love you son, I love you daddy. That's how it's supposed to be. Husbands and wives, before you get home tonight, you're gonna get into it. Let your heart cool down, let your heart cool down. I hope it rings in your mind. Tomorrow at work, you're thinking their name. Don't say it out loud. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. Let your heart cool down. Be salt and light in a very dark and distasteful world. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.